The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial, presented by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junson. We are joined by a special guest, a grizzled vet in the minor leagues who won, who made his debut in 2022 with the Chicago White Sox. It's my pleasure to welcome Tanner Banks to the Officially Unofficial Podcast. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. And the first thing I want to say is this. Uh, Welcome to Toronto, man. I mean, you're here right now, maybe the best city in the world. I'm about 30 minutes away from you right now. So um, this is the closest I've ever been to a guest in a really long time during an interview for that for that aspect of it. Let's go into Toronto for a second, man. I mean, so the plane lands at Toronto Pearson International Airport. What's your first impression of the greatest city on the planet? It was funny. I was looking the wrong direction. I saw some big buildings off in the other direction. I'm like, where's the space needle? Like, where is everything? And then as we got on the freeway, I realized that there was a city over here and a city over here. Um, but it's cool. First thing I noticed was the architecture was a little bit different on some of the buildings, but it's a beautiful city. Oh, it's electric. I can't wait to see you play the play tonight, man. I mean, um, I might go to the game. I don't know. I'm trying to finesse tickets off burger. You know, I like, I like to sit in the white sock. I, Listen, I'm a big Jays guy. I have a Jays podcast. I like to just sit in like the section where I know there's like a couple White Sox fans so I could just act like a mediator. Because if Berger or you come into pitch or if Berger launches, I'm going to act a fucking fool. And if there's video cameras up there, I might get exposed for the Jays podcast. So I like to be in a neutral area. That's where I like <laughs> to sit. So have you got to like step foot in the Rogers Center yet or anything along those lines? Not yet. We just saw it as we as we rolled in on the freeway. And you're at the Four Seasons. Eh? You guys are to live in lavish. We're they're taking care of us. Yeah, dude. Because um, and the reason why I asked that is because I went to go pick up Luplo last year at the hotel, and the hotel you're staying at, I don't know if it was Four Seasons, but it's like three hundred a night. Like, so is that the biggest difference you notice between the minor leagues as well as the show? Is like you're staying in the nicest hotels in their area, no matter what, no matter where you're at. For the most part, we're in the nicest hotels. I know with a couple of the cities we've been to that are still trying to recover from COVID, like the accommodations are limited. So we've kind of had to juggle that a little bit, but it's been, I mean, we're not staying in Holiday Inn Expresses or anything by that. <laughs> it's, it's been awesome. The travel, everything about the travel has been first class. So, yeah. I mean, and then what, so 
You haven't been to Canada. Have you been to Canada before? Have you been to Toronto before? Um, I played Northwoods in 2011 and we went to Thunder Bay. Oh my God. That's a nightmare city. I don't know. <laughs> that is far as fuck. That's far from here, dude. That's like, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. It's like 18 hours from here. It that's might a, be. I know yeah. it's, it's up above Minnesota. Yeah. It's very, very far from here. So that's not even really like, I wouldn't even classify that as, can- as maybe Canada, but we'll see. I mean, that might be a ricochet shot at Thunder Bay, but whatever. Um, <laughs> So you're so you're obviously you just got here and stuff like that and you're in the show and all that kind of stuff. I want to go into your debut though because you were on one of the craziest stretches I think I've ever seen. Gato was Instagramming about it, tweeting about it, obviously getting the people going about it. I believe you went nine in your first nine innings. You didn't give up. You didn't give up one fucking run. So what was that like? Honestly, I just kept telling myself like take take care of the baseball, take care of the baseball, do your job, execute pitches. You know, trust yourself, stick to your strengths. You know, all the all the little, like, uh, what do they call them? Like affirmation type things. Just reminding myself, like, hey, you know, you're here for a reason. You belong. You deserve this. Trust yourself. Trust the process. Play with a chip on your shoulder. Like all of the things that you could say to help you to be in the moment and and focus on pitching and not so much the the statistics side of things. Yeah, I mean, that, that stat is kind of crazy, though. Like, at that point, were you just uh, – and listen, I would have been the cockiest human being of all time if that was me. How hard was it for you to kind of stay humble during that? Because, obviously, you're pitching in the hardest baseball league in the world. Pound for pound, obviously, it's not a me saying a hot take. And you go scoreless in your first nine innings of relief work. So – or whatever it was. I don't remember the exact stat, but – It was 14. It was four, oh, 14. Okay, humble brag, 14. Who, who, is, who is counting? Who's counting? I'm not counting. So 14. Sorry, well, that's a Rick. That's a that's a terrible job by me. But so you go 14 innings scoreless, right? What is running through your head after every after every inning you go and you're like, there is a fucking zero on that scoreboard right now. Like, how hard is it to stay humble during that shit, man? It, I wouldn't say it was so much staying humble. It was more so just like, don't focus on that. Focus on pitching. You know, whether you give up a run or you don't, like the idea was to keep the team in the game and give us a chance to win so the zeros came as a byproduct of pitch execution and you know being present and all the all the little preparations that go into it but I mean I've never been like a really arrogant person so trying to just be myself and not let that affect my approach yeah, no, I was fired up for you, man. I, because I, I think I, t- I don't know if I tweeted about it or I did something about it. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like the guy was in the minors for, again, not a stack guy. I believe it was nine years. Gata told me, is that correct? Nine years in the minors. So I was drafted in fourteen. So you count okay. fourteen seasons. So I think it was eight. Okay, we're gonna say nine would've, years. Would have been so nine this year. We're gonna nine. say nine years to pretend that I'm. Uh, I'm correct with this take. So yeah, nine years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just crazy, man, because. It's so easy to just give up, right? When you're in the minors for that long, I obviously I've been doing this podcast for two, three years now. You just see these people, obviously, when they're like four years in and they're not in the show yet, they're like, all right, I'm done with this. Or they get released and they're like, I'm done with this. At one one point, like, did you have a certain point during your career where you're like, I'm going to quit? Like, I'm done with this shit. Like, I can't deal with like not making it to the show yet and just kind of living this dog shit lifestyle in the minors. You know, I had a I had a couple of stretches in high AA where I was failing a lot. And there were times where I'm like kind of second guessing myself. But as the season went on and I kind of dug myself out of the rut, like 
I mean, I've got a great support system with my, my wife and my parents and all that at home, but I kept telling myself, like, see this thing through, see this thing through. Like one day baseball is going to be over for me. It's going to be over for everybody. And I want to play until they take my glove out of my hand, you know, and ultimately not wanting to grow up and have to do real, real, (laughs) real adult work. Um, Just realizing like, I'm going to have regrets if I don't play as long as I can. So because what, you can't you can't play when you're 50 or 60. Yeah. You can, but not at this level. Yeah, you can play like indie ball or some shit like that. But what was um, what was what would you say was like the hardest part of getting through the minors? Like, is it just not the being away from your family aspect? Because obviously that's like a cliche answer, which makes sense, which makes the most sense. What was like the most difficult part on the field? Was it you making adjustments, or was it just like having to deal with like failure every once in a like every once in a while? Yeah, I think. I think the failure aspect is the hardest thing to deal with, but it's all about perspective. Like I can tell you, I've learned more in the last two months being in the show than maybe I learned the last two years. And that's from like a self-reflection standpoint of like what works and what doesn't work and where I can throw pitches and how I need to set guys up and things like that. Um, Obviously like mechanical things happen throughout the course of, of seasons and careers and you make adjustments as you go. But um, honestly, like the hardest thing in the minor leagues on the field, like the accommodations are fine. They are what they are. Like, you know what you're going to get, you know what to expect, but trying to like find the information, what it is that you need to do to take that next step. I mean, cause you could be, you know, you could be a finesse guy that throws in the 80s and get everybody out, but that might not particularly be what the team's looking for. So figuring out, one, what the team needs from you for you to progress and then obviously how to do it and then finding success doing it. So, yeah, and, and obviously this is an off-field podcast. So we like to hear about the stories about off the field and all that kind of shit. Let's go into the minor leagues. I mean, what is your funniest story from your minor league career? Like a bench clearing brawl, a fan just being out of line or like anything like that. Cause we've had some crazy stories on here. I mentioned every podcast. We've had stories of fans climbing light poles and machetes fans threatening to wait for players after games outside the bus. Like just uh, Tyler Matzik had a story where he was at a hotel. He opened up, he brought up, opened his bed sheet and there was just full blood all over his bed from the night before or whatever. Um, what, like, what do you have like to look back on to tell your grandkids about like just the funniest shit you had to deal with in the minor leagues? Oh man. Um, outside of like grueling bus trips, I think we had a, I want to say it was a 12 or 14 hour bus trip when I was in rookie ball. Oh my God. And we, we, we'd left after the game. We were in Grand Junction, Colorado, and we had left after the game that night. We drove all night and half of the next day to get back. <laughs> Everyone's looking forward to an off day. Um, but here's a, here's a funny story. Like, obviously you're saying off field, like there's a lot of crap that goes on, but there's a pretty like stringent drug testing policy. Didn't personally happen to me, happened to some teammates. I won't list any names, but uh, we were in Orem, Utah, close to my hometown. I'm from Salt Lake city. And the drug tester showed up and you know he tested a handful seven or eight guys like sweet we're off the hook 
let's go have some fun. Like, you know, we'll have a week or two or a month, whatever, before we get tested. So we play in Orem. We bust back to Great Falls. We have an off day. A bunch of guys go out and <laughs> get after it. Just have a couple of <laughs> Get pops. after it. They get after it um, in multiple ways. And the next day, the drug tester shows up at the field and tests them all again. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was five dudes that got caught. Really? Five? Yeah. What happened? What, what it was happened? four or five. Um, depending on the substance you abuse, depends on the the like the ramifications. So, so it goes, it's like a level system. So if it's weed, it's probably the smallest one. And then like the if rest it's performing system. enhancing, then there's suspensions dealt. It wasn't necessarily performance enhancing, but it was a drug of abuse. So there was a slap on the wrist and like counseling involved had they oh done it again God. had they done it again there would have been a suspension but it put a nice black check mark next to these guys names like fl- a red flag i guess is better than black yeah check that's mark. see that's a tough <laughs> look but the thing is right it's like it's legal now though right so like I-, I can't imagine it being difficult for those players to get signed now because i mean if it was weed weed's legal now throughout the major league yeah. right throughout the minors yeah. and majors because before i think it was just legal for the major leaguers right I'm yeah we'll just say it, it wasn't weed that these guys went and yeah did. it was probably the good it was probably i mean they were having a good time man it was just a, couple, a bunch of young boy young guys getting out just <laughs> love to see it i respect the fuck out of it so maybe there is a black check mark beside their name now but it's just incredible shit and i love the minor leagues dude like what's one thing in the minors where it's like for instance when your playing career is gone and all that kind of stuff where I always talk about like what I missed the most when I played junior college was like just the team aspect. Like you're just always, every day you wake up, you get to see the fucking boys, you know, you get to fucking just have like, just chill with the guys, have a good time and just play baseball. Is that the biggest thing you're going to miss? Like when you're done, whenever your career's over and all that kind of stuff. Definitely the camaraderie on the field. I've been married for about coming up on four years. So I've had my wife with me the last last few years and now we've got two kids so we're pretty busy with them but definitely one of the like the fun aspects is going back to your apartment and there being two or three or four guys now on the flip side of that when they're up till three or four in the morning playing video games yelling at their tvs (laughs) it, (laughs) it, it, it gets uh it gets like like you just it kind of wears on you a little bit when you're like man I'm trying to sleep. You know, I've got to start tomorrow or I've got to perform tomorrow. It's 3 a.m. It's 4 a.m. You know, we've got a morning game. You know, we've got a we've got an 11 a.m. kids day (laughs) where there's going to be 10,000 screaming kids in the stands. Yeah. And the craziest thing is the guys that stay up to like three or 4 a.m. and playing video games are those dudes that show up to the field and just go four for five with like two nukes that just don't give a flying fuck. Like they're just the guys that are a freak. Have you played? Obviously, you played a couple guys like that. But who's one guy you've played with throughout your whole career where he does it like not doesn't give a fuck, but the effort, like the full 100 percent balls to the wall effort might not be there. He just shows up and rakes. You know, there was a, a pitcher. He was our second rounder my year in 14. Um, his name was Spencer Adams. And Spencer Adams. Spencer Adams. He's a, a Georgia prospect. Um, he made it to AAA, but he was a dude that he could do whatever it was that he wanted. I mean, 
he would show up the next day and like raw talent wise, he was one of the best. And I mean, he was like a 95, 96 guy in high school and he would roll out and throw six, seven scoreless <laughs> having, having been out and partying with the boys all night. Like, and you just kind of roll dry. like, is it really this easy? Like, what am I doing? It wrong? makes, you think. I, it makes you think, it makes you think like, am I doing this shit wrong by caring this much? That's what and, I always used to do. And thinking like, okay, well maybe I just need to exactly care less. Like, Oh, well, whatever. All right, next. It's, it's crazy. And I, I listen, I hate those dudes because I was the type of guy I'd go to, I'd be in the weight room like twice a day. I would hit, I would like, obviously I'd watch my at-bats. I do all that shit. And then I hit below my body weight. So I was just want, like those type of dudes that put in the minimal effort, maybe they're do something right. And I don't even know if Jake Berger are my friends, one of those guys, but he has been absolutely raking. We got to talk about him for a second. I mean, guy walks it off on Sunday, Saturday. I believe he hits a fucking nuke. Friday, I think he hits another nuke. What's it like seeing Jake Berger? Because obviously he was in AAA, kind of tatering from the show to AAA, show to AAA. Yeah. What's what's this guy like in the locker room? Because obviously on this podcast, he was electric. Yeah, you know, he, he gets his work done. Um, he's gone through a lot. I've, I'm sure you've heard all about his, yeah. his history with his Achilles and all that. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, he's a gamer. He's a, he's a great teammate in the locker room. He's polite. He's – you know, he, he cares about his teammates. You can't say that about everybody. Um, but he he comes out every night ready to play. You know, whether he feels 100% or not, he puts his best foot forward and he produces for the team. And you love to see it. Like, I joke about the fact of, like, you can tell the guys that are kind of, like, college kind of fratty. I wouldn't say he's fratty, but, like, his approach on the field is just, like, scrappy. You know, he's – He's blue laying collared. out for everything. He's hustling. Absolutely. He's a blue collared fucking steel toe, hard hat type of player. That's what, Absolutely. that's what Jake Berger's like. I mean, another guy I talk about on your team is honestly, like I call him my King solely based off the fact that he packs the biggest dips I've ever seen in my life. So he's kind of my hero is Jose Abreu. What's it like? <laughs> what's, what's this guy? Cause listen, I'm a big dip guy. So if you follow the podcast and the listeners of this podcast know, I break the dip record at every stadium I go. I pack the biggest dip there. I think I have Comerica's record, Citizens Bank, all these football fields, Rogers Center. Jose Abreu is like another fucking level of like, I pack dips while playing. What's it like playing with my king? Like, what's it like playing with the greatest dip packer in MLB history? <laughs> it was funny, man, before I got here. Um, that was the first thing I noticed on TV too, is the, the massive bulge in his lip. <laughs> and I mean, most of the time you can like see it hanging out, but <laughs> he's, he's special, man. You know, you, you get certain guys in the right mood and they're hilarious and they really come out of their shell, but the dude is first class. He's one of the hardest workers you'll ever see. I mean, the man crushes an hour of cardio every day, every an hour, day. an hour in like a coat. I don't know if he's flushing, if he's trying to sweat, whatever it is. The dude, I, I got on the elliptical next to him, and I'm like, look at this, Jose. Like, I've been going for 20 minutes. And he says, me, every day, one hour. And I'm like, get out of here. Sure enough. I mean, he was he was between the bike and the treadmill and the elliptical and the rowing machine. The Yeah, the, the rowing machine. And he was in there for an hour. Like, that was his workout. But every single day, like, just a relentless routine. <laughs> Does he do it with a dip in at least? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
he's got his headphones in. I don't know what he's listening to, but he, I, I think he's too locked in to be spitting anywhere. I don't know if he could stomach that. <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed by it, man. Like, listen, I, I don't know if I could really play. Like, maybe I've, I've played with a dip in a couple times, but he does it every single game, and he's so consistently good at hitting and fielding and everything. It's absolutely – I'm going to say it right now. It's the most incredible athletic accomplishment in baseball history to be able to play the game of baseball with the biggest dips I've ever seen in my life in his mouth. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. So I – had an outing a few days ago against the Red Sox and I got a foul ball pop-up on Xander Bogarts right behind first base and Jose and uh, Leary run over for it and Jose goes high and Leary goes low and they collide trying to catch this pop-up behind first base and they're laying on the ground like oh crap like what's going on like they're hurt they're both kind of rolling around holding their knees holding their shoulders trainers go out tony goes out the whole thing and i'm standing on first base and the umpire's like why are they smiling <laughs> I said, and I, I mean, you could tell they were hurt and i said i said because they both want to play and they both want to be there like you know there's there's some guys that would have come out of the game for sure but jose in particular is like like okay i'm not broken i can get back up and go back and do my job i love that dude man i see like honestly he is just so like he's so impressive and the fact that he does hour cardio a day is straight psychopath shit because in my mind like when you're a first baseman that's like the last thing you should be worrying about like i would just be benching yeah. squatting dead like i would just be doing the absolute like meathead workouts and it's crazy I think, I think the secret is is they always say like you can't out exercise a bad diet true that's, that's <laughs> not that a good our, point not that our diet's bad but they just keep like here's all this great food that's <laughs> a good point that's a great point that's like where i'm at right now it's like you can't exercise i work out every day but it's like if you're eating if you're if you're having a couple beers with the boys or eating or whatever it just it, it makes zero sense to be working out hard so you can't that's a great quote that's a really good quote but what you're talking about the meals and stuff like that what's the best i heard new york the visitor meals new york's are unreal. unreal like what get do you away. guys get here's here's a funny one so this year I went to my first major league spring training and I'm laying on the table and one of the, one of the athletic trainers I had had throughout the minor leagues. And I said, do you ever get sick of like, cause I'd always take food home to my wife. I'd always take leftovers if there yeah. was something, if I didn't finish my meal, whatever. And I made a joke basically saying that you get tired of like steak and shrimp and chicken and all this. And I said, do you ever go to your wife? And she's like, what's, what, what'd you bring home? She's like, Oh, it's uh, it's steak and lobster again. Oh, okay. Well, I know you're not going to want any, like <laughs> it, it's funny. Cause legit, like I was talking to one of, I can't remember who it was the other day. And I'm like, I never would have thought I'd get tired of like steak and pork chops and chicken and shrimp every day. Like I just want a quesadilla or a hamburger or, mac and cheese like i mean and the problem is is whatever you want the chef yeah. will make for you there's there's a chef are you kidding whatever yeah. you want pretty much whatever you want like if they have the stuff to make it they'll make it for you that is so show like fuck that's incredible so so that, is that is it is it like that for like the clubbies as well like everyone there yeah anybody who wants something like i mean the, the pitching coach uh the trainers you know the strength coaches whatever if they want a steak quesadilla if they want avocado toast with an over easy egg like you want an omelet you want that is... a waffle or pancakes like 
it's and, and there's a couple of clubhouses you go into like speaking of bad diets you walk in and there's a legit like fridge dedicated to ice cream oh my god dude and you've been to like you've been to like those those candy stores or gas stations where it's just a whole aisle of trash food and the majority of the clubhouses you walk in and like i i kind of roll my eyes i'm like i have to have so much willpower to not eat all of it every day because you walk in and it's there's i mean every type of candy there's every type of trail mix you got the cooler of ice cream i mean what kind of chips do you want like that is absurd there's there's 20 different things there's rice krispies there's ho-hos and zingers and twinkies and it's like i have to put my racing blinders on because (laughs) i mean your kids must have a feel like your kids come in the clubhouse i'm assuming right they must have a fucking field day in there well so every day like when we leave when i leave the field i you know everyone grabs what they think they'll need yeah I, i think okay what would my wife like what would my kids like and we had a drawer in our apartment full of junk food from the field and my my two and a half year old knows where it is and when i bring home like licorice or m&ms or even gum like he'll get in there and he'll eat half a pack of gum and i'm like dude you gotta stop eating the gum like anything else you can have but you gotta stop he'll swallow seven or eight pieces of gum mommy mommy tummy hurt i'm like dude i told you stop eating the gum <laughs> but he knows where the drawer is and he knows that's where the good stuff is that's electric and i listen i gotta ask this question because like i said i'm a big dip guy do you guys just have like access to any single dip you want like is there just a drawer full of fucking chew and dip and seeds and all that shit there is a drawer full of seeds there's drawers full of different types of gum whether it's um like the sugar-free yeah double bubble or regular or the different flavors the majority of guys i feel like have moved to zen those little the zen nicotine. pouches yeah, yeah the nicotine a lot ones. of guys move to those and they'll just have the clubbies go get them what they want oh the clubby at the, the clubby goes to like the uh, gas station or whatever but They're i guarantee kind of a, you jose abreu is not on the zen i promise you fucking not dude hey bring uh, me another puck yeah that man bring me eight tens that's yeah, what's okay. going on well i know i know you guys have like the big ones the yeah big, the tubs uh, that, that's uh tub. so so what that is is that, that's the tub but because our that you, you can only get that on like the native reserves here because our dip at, at like the gas stations is 25 dollars for just a 10 for one that's 10. what i've heard yeah so you have to get it at the native reserve and that's like i'm assuming where your clubbies get it from or get it for the guys from but yeah no that's i always wonder that because I, I, I don't think major league teams are allowed to distribute tobacco. I, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, that I, don't, I don't think they are. Cause I haven't seen it. Like, yeah, here you go in the club. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm assuming the club, he has to go get it for him, which is like hundred percent legal because it's like a, just a thing that a player needs to actually play. But another guy that we have to talk about is Tim Anderson, man. I mean, that guy is maybe you could make the case. He's maybe the best shortstop in baseball. What was it like? Because obviously, I think he's injured right now, right? He's not playing today. Or yeah, he uh, tweaked something. I don't know what exactly is going on. Yeah, he, he tweaked, tweaked something, something on Sunday. Yeah, I was watching yeah. the game on Sunday. He tweaked something. What's it like just being on the mound and having one of the best shortstops right behind you just swallow everything up? Like, he's a freak. The, the thing is, is like, whether he's hitting or playing in the field, just the energy he emits is unreal. Like, you know that he's behind you and is going to, lay out for everything and he's fast and anything in the vicinity is is 
fair play. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember an outing against uh, the Indians at their place, and this ball gets scorched in the six hole. And I'm like, freak, like, you know, the dude just hit this ball 110 off the bat. And he takes two quick steps, chests a ball up, and throws the dude out at first. I'm like, did you seriously just make that play? Like, that's 100% a hit everywhere I've been. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things, I mean, like the play that he got hurt on um, two days ago, like ball in the hole, catches it across body, throws it off balance, kind of almost half in the air, right to Jose's chest. And you're just like, I mean, how do you, you, you can't practice that. You just like, it's one of those things you just kind of let your ability take over and you trust your hands and your, and your ability to throw like, but you literally just kind of roll your eyes because the plays are so good. He's just disgusting. I mean, he's just such a freak, man. I mean, and another guy we got to go, we got obviously, cause like you probably hang out with the pitching staff substantially more than you hang out with like the hitters, which makes obvious sense. Who's one guy on that staff that you get to watch from the bullpen or you get to like see them throw lives or just throw bullpens where you're just not amazed by, but you're just like, this guy is just a little bit different. Is it like Dylan Cease? Is it Lucas Giolito who's pitching tonight? Like, who's that one guy you watch pitch where you're just like, man, that stuff is unhittable? I will say I've known Dylan Cease for a while. Uh, we played in high AA, AAA a little bit together before he got called up. Um, that was before I went back to AA for a couple more years. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean – everybody's got electric stuff, but his stuff is like electric plus. <laughs> True. I mean, he's, he's carrying the, the fastball at 20 plus and he throws a curveball That's got 20 plus movement uh, inches of drop. And then on top of that, he throws it. So we're playing the Yankees. Here's a, here's a story for you. His change has always been like 82, 83, which is slower than my changeup. And he throws harder than I do. I'm like, Dylan, how do you throw that so slow? he, you know, he shows me like his little finger grip, whatever, but like, he doesn't noticeably slow down. So we're playing the Yankees and we're going over pitch report or uh, hitter reports. And they're like, changeups are going to be good against these guys, whatever, whatever. They're, they're a power team. They hit their fastballs. So Dylan comes out and starts. And I can't remember who he threw the first changeup to. And I look up and it was 72 miles an hour. What? I'm like, is that right? Was that a changeup or was that like a slow drop me in curveball? <laughs> and I remember in particular to Rizzo, he went like fastball strike one. And Rizzo was like, he's this far from the plate. He is yeah, he's on it. Get. And uh, he throws him an 0-1 changeup and Rizzo's eight feet out in front of it. I'm like, are you serious? That was 74. Next one, changeup, 72. He, he swings and the ball is barely leaving Dylan's hand. Like <laughs> that is crazy to and me, man. He he literally like like the hitters don't give you much in terms of if you make a good pitch off and they dive or you throw something in and they back off. Like there's not a whole lot of movement where you're like moving a guy's feet for say. But I mean, Rizzo almost fell over trying to reach this changeup. Wow. And to do and, that to Rizzo is impressive. And I mean, not only that, but the dude's 97, 98, and, you know, he can throw his change up anywhere from 70 to 85. He's got an 88-mile-an-hour – I mean, everything he throws is nasty. Yeah. I know, like, like Liam Hendricks, he said to Dylan earlier in the season, he's like, I've played with a lot of guys. Your stuff is the best I've ever seen. Really? He's like, you just need to figure out how to use it. 
<laughs> that's crazy. That's from a dude that's been around for a while. Like, and he ha- it seems like nasty he, stuff. He has figured out how to use. I mean, he's I might like I believe a lot of people are having like have him to win the Cy Young this year, like projection wise, like just based off of like just uh how naturally nasty he is. We gotta get Dylan Cease on the show. I mean, we I think my a good friend of the show, Joe Musgrove, is gonna win the Cy Young from the NL. We got to get the AL favorite Dylan Cease on here, and then we're just but then this is just an award show. This fucking podcast, <laughs> we got to bully Dylan Cease to come on this podcast. That's what you got to do. I'll tell you who who has some mind blowing stuff though is Kopech. Oh, he's going and Wednesday, by, right? and by mind blowing, I mean his fastball is ungodly. Like, I think he threw like eighty five percent fastballs or eighty percent fastballs against the Yankees and was perfect through six and two thirds. Wow, he's it's just it's, it's a unicorn fastball. Like he throws it and it rides and it and it runs and it's upper nineties. Like I watch him. He's not a guy you can watch pitch and develop a scouting report off of because he can just carve through lineups with one pitch. It's crazy. And there's not many people that like every single guy in the show now has that secondary pitch, right? Like there's, yeah. there's no guy that just throws strictly fastball. I guess you can maybe argue, this could be a dumb saying, maybe Justin Verlander is like a big fastball guy now, but or in his prime, he was a big fastball guy. But um, the fact that Michael Kopech throws as hard as you said he does, and he has a riser, is that what you said? He has a fucking riser. It's, it's pretty much like, you know, Verlander's fastball. It's like that, but it goes the other way too. It oh runs- my God. And I'll be honest, as a Jays fan, looking at this series preview that I had to do for the uh, the Gate 14 podcast, it's a nightmare. Uh, the Jays are going through the gauntlet. I mean, you got Lucas Giolito today, who's nasty, but you guys are facing Gossman now, so it's a little it evens each other out. <laughs> and then you got you got fucking Michael Kopech tomorrow, and then you got Johnny Cueto, who's been actually besides that last start, he was unbelievable on his first one. I love Johnny Cueto, by the way, he's nasty. So it's going to be the gauntlet, being in the bullpen and stuff like that. When a guy like Giolito or a guy like um, Michael Kopech's on the mound and stuff like that, does it make your job a little bit easier or more difficult because you know you're going to have to come into a game when it's a close game because they are always carving? I mean, it makes it easier in a sense of, like, I mean, you always have to be locked in, but we're always anticipating our starter to get through, you know, six innings, seven innings, great. Yeah. So it makes our, our job easier from a workload standpoint. Okay, we can roll the dogs out. Like, you know, we've, we've got this one locked down. Um, but there is that aspect of, like, you know, how like, – I had this conversation with Cease because we both came off of a, a rough outing our last out uh, – our last time out. But, like, how are we going to improve – so that what happened doesn't happen again. So the biggest thing is like figuring out where the pitcher is establishing their fastball. You know, if the guy's establishing in early or away early and, you know, seeing if the hitters are leaning or trying to go the other way. Obviously that's like doing our homework part, but realizing like, Hey, you know, this guy might go seven scoreless and he's dominated the outside part of the plate. If the reliever comes in, he's got a little bit different stuff that might not work. So you have to be able to adjust on the fly, but you also have to be able to kind of go the opposite direction of the starters game plan. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that's true. Because obviously you have guys that feed off each other, like pitchers. Where it, who's one pitcher that when he throws, you know you're gonna go in, like you know that you're the guy after him, just based off of matchups or batters stuff like that. Do you have like not a designated guy, but a guy that you've been like going in after majority of the time? Um, I thought I did, but my role has kind of just been a uh... just everywhere. It's been everywhere. I've I've thrown the last two innings of the game, I've come in in the second inning, you know, um, usually I anticipate pitching in more of a longer role where I'm going to come in and throw multiple innings, but I've also come in in one run ball games. I've come in, uh, I've come in to face a batter to finish an inning. So my role in particular, like it's not a uh, Liam Hendricks who's going to throw the ninth inning. No matter what, it's yeah. Not, it's not Graveman or Bummer or Kelly who are going to throw six, seven, eight. Like I could throw those innings if those guys need rest, but it's really more of a where do we need a guy? Where do we need a matchup? You could throw in the first inning, you could throw in the ninth inning. It really is kind of dependent on score and who's available. Like, do you have designated days where you know, like, for instance, today, like, are, are you told for today? Because you haven't pitched since Saturday, I believe it is, right? Or is it, when was the last time you pitched? Yeah, like Saturday. Saturday. Like, for instance, a day like today, Tuesday, when you've gotten, like, three days rest, two days rest, obviously they want to keep you going. Is a day like today where you're like, all right, like, today I'm pretty sure I have a good chance of myself going in? Or what's that aspect? I mean, we had an off day yesterday. Um, everybody pitched pretty much that last game against uh, the Cubs, but – because no one really threw multiple innings, like we can expect that everyone's going to be available for tonight. Oh, okay. That so, makes more sense. So, I mean, if it's a one run ball game going into the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, that's generally not my game. So, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, your role. I'm not the leverage guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, your role. You're not a leverage guy. Like, that's you're like a long innings, your long, long innings relief guy that comes in, like, like you said, like the fourth, fifth, and you've all, sometimes come in the second. But, I mean, and, and we're talking about that bullpen here. I mean, what's Liam Hendrick? Because he's a psychopath, and I love psychopaths on the mound. The, Jay, the, the Jays have one with Jordan Romano. What's Liam Hendricks like in his warm-up? Is he just like that guy where he's like an, a legit – he thinks he's going to murder someone in the bullpen, or what's he like? You know, he comes in in the fourth. He walks out to the bullpen in the fourth. He's got a routine he sticks to like nobody's business. You know, he's got his heat maps. He's got his coffee, his water bottle, his pre-workout. How he stacks pre-workout and coffee, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> eighth inning comes around, and he's got like a little visualization thing he does in the bullpen on the mound. And then when they call his name, I mean, he's, he's like the most chill, mellow, just hanging out with the boys kind of guy in the bullpen. And when the eighth inning comes around, I mean, he knows if he's going to pitch. And the second he starts his routine, he's complete 180, different, different beast, not animal beast. Yeah, serious. <laughs> and it's, Seriously. And it's, it is, it is extremely cool to see when the phone rings and they say, Hendrix, you got it. I mean, it is 
laser focus. Like he'll get on the mound and I mean, I've only seen him pitch. Oh, it's been a lot, but this season, his first throw, I could tell you like his routine down to a T just from like watching him go about his business, but the first throw ah! and he grunts on his first throw and then he gets that out of the way and it's boom, 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 BBs. And it's funny because his last pitch of the inning, he throws and he grunts loud enough that anyone in the park could hear it. That is <laughs> mine. I mean, obviously I expect that. And one thing that I also want to talk about is with the White Sox fans, because obviously you're playing for a very passionate fan base. Is that something you've noticed of like the, the, the tides being turned? Because your first, like you said, 14 innings, you go scoreless and you're like, they're already saying build the statue. Right. And they're yeah. like, yeah, they're going crazy over you. And then obviously like you go through like the ups and downs of the year, right? You start struggling a little bit and stuff like that. You're obviously not online as much, right? You don't really focus on that kind of stuff, but is that something that you have noticed though? It's just like the tides turning of like the ups and downs, the fans being like coming at you and then supporting and then coming out. Like, do you, have you noticed that? Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I, I told you to shoot me a message on Instagram and like I was going about my business this morning and I'm like, Oh crap, I got to check my social media. I turned my alerts off because you know, sometimes everyone's like, you're amazing. You're great. You're yada, yada, yada. And the other times like, you suck. I'm going to kill you. Like, nah, nah, nah. and I mean, it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm not looking at my messages. I'm going to scroll through and see if I recognize who's messaging me. Yeah. Um, otherwise I just kind of ignore it because there's, I mean, the positive stuff is great, but there's a lot of hate when things go south too and listen i i have a rule where i genuinely think if you want to have a social media you have to tie your name to it because i guarantee you that there is no none of these hate messages or death threats or shit like that are coming from people that have their name attached to their account they're coming from these fucking burner accounts right yes absolutely well i mean there's there's a couple of guys and like i'll click through their account and scroll through and like look at what they don't have going for them What's going on? Is your my, is it? Oh, it up? My, my wife was trying to FaceTime. Oh, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, and then obviously something that you obviously like you've had to kind of or your wife has maybe had to deal with stuff like that. Is it hard for you to post stuff like about your kids, just knowing how psycho fans can be? Like, is this something that you were hesitant about at first, maybe, or like? You know, I've I've I went probably two years without posting on social media, and I was like, you know, I want to not necessarily build a brand for myself, but just like put the next step out there so the people that do still follow can kind of see like hey you know he he made it or he's got a couple of kids and a beautiful wife like they're having a good time like obviously social media is kind of a highlight reel but just kind of putting stuff out there to update people and you know you're always smart about what you put you're not giving people information like where they can find you <laughs> yeah i mean anyone could look at my social media and know i live in utah but it's a big state you know <laughs> yeah no it's a massive state i did i don't utah is crazy man it's like it's it, i've never been i have a couple buddies that live there and stuff like that it's just it's a weird mix of people that like get after it like just people that have a good time and enjoy and stuff like that and then there's also like a religious side of utah where it's like where my because my a couple of my buddies go to like dixie state right yeah and that school is real like there is so many like crazy psychopath like religious people that like 
protest every day. It's crazy. It's just a crazy mix. Utah is. And that's something that's like a massive, I would say like a uh, culture shock for me when I lived in the U S is just like how, like the different mix of people, like there's just so many extremes in the U S compared to there is here. It's crazy. I don't know if you've obviously you've only been in Canada shortly, but one thing that all everyone that comes on this podcast says is, is everyone's just so like kind of polite here and just like, you know what I'm saying? Like you haven't been able to eat out yet and stuff like that. So you haven't seen it, but it's, it, it is, it's a massive difference. I've heard the stereotype that Canadians in general are really polite. I've also heard that the fans at the Blue Jays game. Oh, we come after you. No, we're not level. nice. Which is funny because it's like you'd see them on the street and they're probably the nicest people. But when you're in the ballpark, you're every obscenity they can think of. <laughs> yeah, no, they come at you. They, It's like. But it's part of the show. Like, But you played in New York of- last week, dude. Those fans yeah. are fucking pieces of shit. I hate Yankee fans. Like, that's that's the fans that on my Blue Jays podcast, it's pretty big on TikTok. Like I get like legit, not death threats, but like hate messages about like, fuck you, you fucking put like just shit like that. So the Yankee fans are wild. I mean, what was it like sitting in that bullpen at Yankee stadium? They're, they're all heckling. Yeah. You know, I I go out to warm up and this I'm out there with the pitching coach and this fan yells, banks, we can bank on you giving up eight runs. And the pitching coach is, he says, oh, that's real original. I bet you haven't heard that before. But so, like, <laughs> Liam Hendricks comes out to the bullpen, and the fans are just screaming at him, Hendricks, you suck. You – and he's like, you know what? Your seats suck. Who chooses to sit in center field? <laughs> so, they're, so they're sitting there screaming at him, and he's screaming back. He's going back at him? He's Liam going Hendricks back. At him. He's chirping, he's, right? He, he's going back at him. I won't repeat the stuff he said. but That's electric. <laughs> but so then Joe Kelly comes out. And he points his finger at the guys and immediately like, oh, my gosh, Joe Kelly, you're our favorite person ever. Yeah, no, they, 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 <laughs> cha- they have a change of tone real fucking quick when they when was, you recognize them. Well, it was so funny because they're screaming at, at Liam and then they're praising Joe in the same breath as they're standing next to each other. Like, I think maybe they're praising Joe because of the Astro stuff, like him like being so against the Houston. That might be it. That probably but, is why. Mm, He's crazy, yeah. bro. Joe He's Kelly. Hilarious. He's a psychopath. He's crazy. He is honestly, he's hilarious. He's one of the dudes that you sit in the bullpen with and you kind of roll your eyes because of the, like the nonsense he spews, but it's, it's hilarious. No, he's yeah. locked in, like, like he's dead on with everything though. I love Joe Kelly. I love Joe Kelly. He's like, and the crazy thing is like, I wouldn't say he's old, but he's getting up there and he still throws fucking 98. It is wild. This guy, this guy's arm has so much mileage on it. And he acts like a kid. Like you wouldn't like if you if you could talk to him without having a face, you would think he's you know a 19, 21 year old kid. That's electric. That's so electric. Where would you? And here's a question to pump your tires here. And I'll be honest with you. Like I pump the I pump the guest tires all the time. But we're gonna. I'm gonna be humble. I'm not gonna humble you. You're an above average looking dude. Where do you kind of rank yourself in the bullpen or on the team of like good looking dudes? Because oh, when, man. I'll hear you straight because obviously the more you get FaceTime on TV, I'm sure more of the fucking notices you'll get from like the, the, the mothers or like the, the, like the 20 year olds about like, damn, Tanner Banks is a man rocket, like a movie, the hair, you got everything going for you. You know, it's, it's funny. I grade a lot of how I judge people on their teeth. So that's how you notice it. So, so um, you, so you would say you're above there because you got elite teeth. Like it's, it's not veneers, none of that stuff. That's all natural, right? We're not performing. No, that's all natural. All natural. So, all so natural. no performance enhancing. 
No, no, no PhDs no PhD. from the teeth. Um, I'll tell you what though, I give Lurie a hard time all the time because I mean, whether they're real or fake, they're beautiful. Like he has amazing teeth. He has amazing. And I, I literally a couple of times a week, I'm like, Hey man, don't forget to go brush your teeth. Like, <laughs> and he, he, he chuckles. Cause like I've seen him like part of his pregame routine, brushing his teeth before the game. And so I make sure to, you know, rib him a little bit like, Hey, yeah, you gotta keep those things white. But I think like being confident in myself, like I, I can look around and know who the good looking guys are. <laughs> like, who's the guy, who's the guy that I say this all every episode, but a lot of episodes, who's the guy where you notice when he's on the mound or when he's playing, there's a little bit more female cheers in the crowd. Like there's a little bit more female attendance. Who's that dude on the team? Everybody loves Yon Mankata. Oh my God. The, love- the, the Modelo. Yeah. But, but honestly, like, who gets the most cheers is TA, no doubt, 100% TA. With the females, with everything? Everybody. Everybody. He says to us, uh, we're, we're waiting for the starter to finish warming up so we can go to the bullpen. He's going out to start his, like, throw, stretch, whatever. He's like, watch this. They're going to go nuts. And he looks at us, and he, he says this, and he runs out to, to the third baseline to start his warm-ups, and everyone starts screaming. Like, literally, the whole stadium erupts. And he turns and looks back at us and winks. Like, what a you. gangster. What like, a totally. What a legend, dude. I couldn't even imagine like being that fucking big time. Like where you where, where you walk around, it sucks obviously you can't go in public or he gets swarmed with people and autograph seekers like fucking loser boy foul ball guy. But he uh <laughs> like he he's he's the face of the team. Like what's his walk-up song? Do you know what his walk-up song is when he says I couldn't play? tell you the name of it, but it's the, the one he started the year with it's something i'm the golden child for real i'm the boss pay all the bills <laughs> that's a, that is on it's, it's I, tim anderson is a dude and one thing is obviously you were there for that with the josh donaldson beef yeah and he launches the game after or i think it was the game after right or the like whole two- stadium was booing him the yeah. whole stadium was booing this previous three at bats he gets up with two outs i'm like i knew he was going to do something big that day because the whole stadium was booing him yeah and he hit the ball and he put his head down. He ran the bases. He got the home plate. Did one of these. Silence in the stadium. Radio silence. That's the most baller thing. And listen, they don't boo nobodies, right? Like, they're not booing the fucking scrubs. Like, they're booing Tim Anderson. And obviously, when you get booed by Yankee fans, one, it means they've already tried to make mock trades to try to get you on their team because they yeah. do that for every <laughs> fucking player in Major League Baseball. And two, it's like, listen, like, you're that guy. Like, you're a dog. So, you're Tim Anderson, dude. He, he's <laughs> – he he's insane like obviously the jays are might be dodging a bullet not having him this like today at least but it's crazy i mean are you looking forward obviously like you're you're bullpen guy you get to watch the game like are you looking forward to see that pitching matchup tonight like gossman giolito because it's going to be must watch like I, I i'm going to the i think i'm gonna go to the game i'm not sure yet but it's going to be like must watch tv 100 there's there's I mean, obviously fans want to see home runs they want to see guys throw 100 but to see a pitching duel as a pitcher i mean for one that tempo and pace of the game is awesome and yeah. you don't want to you don't want a 12-hour baseball game but <laughs> true but but to see guys going back and forth and just playing chess with the other team is awesome um but i mean you guys have some awesome dudes in the lineup too like i oh. i got to pitch against vlad and fall league in 18 a little bit so i got to see what he's all about but what is he lifetime against you um one for three that's all right you got him all twice. Got- you punch his ticket I should have, but the umpire was squeezing me. 
Oh, wow. You hate to I used see to that. Be, I used to be sinker changeup guy. Yeah. And that was back when I was like 88, 91. And I remember throwing him a changeup down the way, and he took the hardest swing I've ever seen. He whiffed on it. But uh, I throw the exact same pitch on the next one. The umpire balls me. I'm like, okay, yeah. here we go. If the umpire is not helping you and stuff like that, and you're going up against one of the best hitters in baseball, you're it's yeah. two versus one. Like that's realistically what that is. So, I mean, Vladdy is, it's like, I'm excited to see Giolito and Vladdy, dude. Like just Giolito versus Springer, Giolito versus Vladdy. It's going to be an electric game, especially even like Gossman versus Abreu, man. Like it, it just, there's tonight's going to be just like a, in my mind, like you, like you said, it's going to be like a chess match. Like Giolito is going to go seven, six with like two runs, three runs. And so is Gossman. It's going to be crazy. Like that's, and then you get to see Kopech tomorrow. Like I just pray for the Toronto Blue Jays lineup because it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> and, and we talk about the minors and stuff like that. You've been through a shit ton of cities. There's actually one city that's been mentioned on this podcast that we actually bullied to build a new stadium. I'm going to take credit for it because they built it after it was mentioned on this podcast. Beloit, Wisconsin. You ever play there? I've never played there. That 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 is pound there. for pound the city that gets the, mo- the most flack, roasted the most on this podcast. What's your city like that? Like, what's the city where you played where you're like, where the fuck am I? Hagerstown. That's another one too. They Hagerstown gets roasted on here as well. What was Hagerstown? Hagerstown's like? clubhouse is about the size of this hotel room. <laughs> I was put in this corner. So you walk in and legit, it's. 15 by 20 it's just it's a this, the bus had more room <laughs> changing the and, bus <laughs> and 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 on, on top of that they put one of those plastic fold-out tables in the middle of the clubhouse and then everyone has chairs so i walk in i'm like where in the heck's my locker i look and the it's so like if you have let's see how i can explain it's like here's your wall your lockers are all right here here's another wall lockers right here there's a space right here between this row of lockers and this row of lockers and my locker is this one in the corner. Oh, no. So I'm boxed into this little tiny space, like two feet by two feet. People have taken, like, pencils and pins and written on the walls. They dubbed it the wall of death or the wow. locker of death. So you got the short end of the stick. I mean, that's I got just, the short of the stick. That's and then, like, terrible. You're out there. I mean, the, the nicest thing in the stadium is the, the three by eight jumbotron miniature jumbotron they put up when harper was there so that fans could see stats and stuff but like you're running poles on the warning track and it's it's a fucking hill i mean that was that was eight years ago but it was the one that stuck out in my head is like the worst experience did you face harper when he was like bryce harper phenom coming up bryce harper so he went to or he's from vegas yeah we, we played – he was on this team called the Southern Nevada Bulldogs. Yes. And he was a year younger than everybody. He would catch, and he would throw out our best runners, and he'd hit two home runs a game. <laughs> like, I remember standing in center field, and he gets up, and, you know, he's 11 playing this 12 early home run. I just like – I can't remember if I was playing – if I was playing center field or if I was pitching, but he hit two home <laughs> runs a <against> game. <us. laughs> and, oh, and then – and then – he went to Southern Nevada and I went to Salt Lake community college. So we played against each other in junior college. Was he that like, I, I, I remember watching videos of him at junior college where it was just a fucking sea of scouts every it was, it was single time, 40 or 50 scouts in the stands. I remember he had this because we were a wood bat league. He strikes out, slams his bat on the plate and, and 
breaks it in half and walks off holding the handle, leaving the barrel on the plate. And I, I look to my coach and I'm like, is that frowned upon? They're like, no, they don't care. Like they don't care. About what he so, so then he's in center field and this dude hits a ball over his head and beats him. And he picks it up at the warning track, no crow hop, step and throw all the way home in the air. I'm just like, Oh my God. Like this dude has an absolute cannon. And then later in the year, he pitches and he was like 92, 93 off the bump. Jesus like, Christ. Who is this guy? That is, is this guy? that stuff makes me sick. Like a guy that he's just, obviously he's maybe the best player in baseball, him or Mike Trout, in my opinion, probably top. I will say a yeah, top three. We'll be humble. We'll say top three, but he's crazy, man. And then, so you mentioned the minors and stuff like that. I mean, who's one guy, you mentioned Vladdy, but who's one guy you played against in the minors, maybe in low A, high A, double A, anything like that, where you like saw him play and you got Bryce Harper, where you're like, this guy's going to be in the show for a fucking, for 15 years. Like this guy's a freak. Oh man. <sighs> Hitter wise. I can't, I can't think of any hitters off the top of my head. Um, but we matched up in double A against Sixto, and he was 97, oh 99. And he's just like, just, I mean, as free and easy as you can be. And I'm like, wait a second, you're telling me that's 98? Like, unreal easy cheese with a banger breaking ball. And he went seven scoreless. I think we got two hits off of him. Jeez. I'm just like, who, who is this dude? He's so good, Sixto Sanchez. I mean, and I got roasted on, I think it was on TikTok, because I said Pablo Lopez wasn't the best pitcher in that rotation because it's Sandy Alcantara. I mean, that guy, I don't know if you saw that Sandy's guy in the minors. Unreal. That guy is, he, he just goes eight scoreless, it seems like, every fucking start he has. Like, it's wild. So I, I love Sandy Alcantara, but the, the, I, the, I still can't play that Liam Hendricks story. Like, is Liam Hendricks, does he do the pre-workout even when he's not pitching? It's just 162 games a year he's ripping pre-workout? Well, he's he's a three coffees a day guy, so I don't know if pre workout does anything for him anymore. He's three got three coffees got a day, three three venties. That's fucking mind boggling. He he'll he'll chug his pre workout before he goes in. Oh, okay. So he he doesn't do the pre workout unless he's in the bullpen, actually warming up, I getting ready so. to throw. So, for so. instance, when I'm when I'm at the game today, and the fourth inning's rolling by, I can expect to see Liam Hendricks walk across the field, like walk around, or I guess you guys go into the tunnel. He'll walk right through the middle of the outfield. He'll say hi to the umpires. He'll say hi to the right fielder or left fielder. And he'll just go right to the bullpen. You guys, can you do that? I want you to start doing it. Maybe you do it in the third. We'll start implementing (laughs) you do that in the third inning. Banks, get hot in the second. (laughs) (laughs) You're just in the fucking beer in the the dugout. That's (laughs) that's big ball shit. I can't wait to see Liam Hendricks go – toe-to-toe with some Jays fans I, it's not gonna be that busy tonight at the game so I don't know if it's gonna be you guys are gonna get heckled that bad but um yeah dude Liam Hendricks is crazy what about uh what's uh Gro- oh, what's his name Kendall Graveman. Graveman what's Graveman been like he's he quiet kind of, he's kind of the silent like like the seer of of the bullpen like he's very analytical he prepares like a starter he's very I don't want to say data-based but he will sit and pick things out tendencies like he's the guy in the bullpen that's watching video over and over and over again to see if the guy is tipping or to see what the hitter's tendency is on a specific pitch you know he i would like to say that he's the guy that he's he's better prepared than some of the starters 
like in terms of his game plan and his approach. And it's funny because like when I've seen him get beat on pitches, you'll go back and watch it. And you're like, he executed that pitch and set that pitch up perfectly. And the dude just beat him. Like, yeah, it just big league hitting. But he's, yeah, it's, that's exactly what it is. Um, but he's, he's the guy that legit, like he'll be silently just sitting there in the dugout or in the, in the, in the bullpen. Like, what's he, what's he doing? What's he thinking? And then he'll come out, Hey man, like if you've watched, like we've established this with all of these hitters, you know, if you want to go out and be successful, we've got to do this. Look, so, he, like, well, so he's talked to you about that. Like, for instance, if you're warming up in the pattern or you're about to get warm, he's came up to you and he's been like, yeah, like if you want to be successful against this guy or I've faced this guy before, here's some tips that I had or some shit that I did. Like he's told you that stuff. He does it in like our pitchers meetings, but here's, here's the cool thing. Like he'll pull the pitching coaches aside and have little meetings with them. Telling what? Them, hey, this is what we need to do against these guys. That's wild. Good for it's him. It's pretty cool. It's really That's cool. That's sick. That's sick. So two more things I want to bring up. So the second last thing is obviously you have kids, like you mentioned. What age do you think they're going to realize, like my dad's in the show or my dad plays pro baseball? Or have they realized that already? Um, my two-year-old, he he already knows, like, daddy baseball, daddy baseball. Um, I can't get him to put the glove on the right hand. <laughs> but but he knows baseball like well like if my wife drops me off to the stadium or something he's like daddy work daddy baseball like he knows that's so but sick not really but so like i told him he really wanted to bring his his mitt down to the bullpen so dad could give him a ball and he came to the field and forgot his glove and he was so upset so I told him, I was like, okay, when you come to the game tomorrow, come down to the bullpen and, and I'll give you a baseball. So he comes down to the bullpen. He's got his glove on his hand. He sticks it through the railings. I give him a baseball and he's just so happy. And then I give him a Gatorade and, a, and like three or four pieces of gum. <laughs> you give him a baseball, then fucking foul ball guy comes out of nowhere and rips it out of your son's fucking hand. Like he does. The rest hey, security, the- get this nerd. <laughs> foul so- ball guy's the worst human. Uh, oh, I can't. I like I said, he's the public enemy number one on this podcast. I, uh, it, I've gone. I mean, like I said, I've gone into it with him before. He's just to go that above and beyond with for fucking BP balls is wild. Do you guys have like fans like that? Because I know in Pittsburgh they have fans that go to every single game and are in the outfield every single game getting baseballs. Do you guys have that in Chicago? When we're on the road, the BP is open for fans oh, to come in. You know, okay. Yeah. For at home, we don't really have to deal with it. It's just like the workers going through the stands. Occasionally, there's a couple guys like, "Hey, you know, like fans are going to ask me for a ball. Can I get a ball to give the fans?" Like, yeah, they're BP balls. They're still nice balls, but they're BP yeah. balls. I try to. I mean, I I think that I have a little softer heart than some of some of my teammates or some of other baseball players. Like, I see little kids in the stands. And I think like, man, I wish I had a ball to give every little kid. Because if I yeah, put my no, stuff that, in there, it's yeah. like, like I would think how cool it would have been for me to get a baseball, whether it was in batting practice or from a player when I went to games when I was young. So like the other day it was our last game against the Cubs. There's these three little kids, four little kids. And I'm standing in the, in the bullpen and there's four baseballs in the garbage can. And I look at Aaron Bowman, I'm like, who throws baseballs away? Like these little kids would love this. He's like, then take them out of the garbage can, give them to these kids. <laughs> so I reach into the trash and I pull these four baseballs out and I take them up to these, these kids that are standing there, you know, 
like idolizing us and watching us and like here you go guys like you don't have to know that they came out of the garbage can but yeah they're still nice baseballs like yeah for us you know we expect a perfect baseball every time but to these kids and to some of these fans like they don't care and immediately like they lit up the parents were so happy like oh my gosh you made his day like this is so amazing and you know i'm sure they went home and their dog started chewing on the ball or whatever but like as a kid i like i remember the first time i got anything in the stands as as a spectator i was at this like supercross indoor motorcycle racing thing and someone threw like a sweaty like towel up to me and i caught it and i was so stoked and i mean i got rid of it I, it was gross but like you remember the first time that happens and it's i think it's special in a lot of ways but yeah like it's just it's one of those things that you you want to be able to not necessarily be a part of but give that experience to someone and just to clarify i like when the kids get it i just hate when you have grown-ass men that Can ask I get a for, for my 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 son that's gonna be born in three months yeah uh, like it's i hate yeah, the grown-ass men that collect five thousand fucking autographs of the same card for yeah. grown-ass men that are at every game just butchering players for balls autographs and making up these dog shit excuses like my kid is not here or just some shit like that where that's what that's what pisses me off so that, well, that's here's a, where... here's, here's a good story for you so we're in double a uh teammate at the time he's no longer with the white Sox, but uh we're in the bullpen in double a and uh this fan comes down and he's like hey can i get a can i get a ball for my son it's his first game and he's holding this just this little ball of squishy like one month old baby and we're like no man sorry we can't give any balls out like smile at least we don't have extra balls he's like come on man like i see that bag there can i get a bag of ball or can i get a baseball for my son it's his first game like <laughs> he looks up at him he looks up at him he's like we're trying to do our effing jobs and he's like excuse me oh like, my god he's like, he's like we don't have a ball for you we're not going to give you a ball have a nice day and the guy's like are you kidding me and he's like you effing heard me have a nice day. Holy <laughs> shit, dude. So he, starts, he starts yelling at this fan who's who's asking for a ball. We're like, dude, if you want a ball for you, tell us you want a ball for you. Don't make up some crap excuse. That's a good point, too. That's like, a good point, too. That's and, a good point, and, too. And the biggest thing, like, the whole bullpen is in on it. I think everyone in baseball is kind of in on it. When kids come up and like, ball, 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 hey, hey, you know, 57, ball. I'm like, I don't care if you know my name. I don't care if you know my number. I don't care how you yell at me. But if you say please, we're gonna give you more than likely a ball. Yeah. Like so many kids are just demand, demand, demand. There'll be like five kids all game long. Can I get a ball? Can I get a ball? Can I get a ball? And some cute little kid up, excuse me, can I get a ball, please? And then just immediately. Absolutely. Throw. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. That's it. Yeah, yeah. No, that, Parents, like teach I, your kids manners. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll get a lot of that in uh, Toronto, just pleases. You just you'll get pleased out the door. So I so last thing here. So you're in Toronto. <laughs> you're in Toronto now. You're here in Toronto now. There's a couple of bar recommendations I have for you and your teammates to go to. There's one called Cactus Club. I don't know if you've heard of it yet. Beautiful rooftop bar. You get to overlook the whole fucking city. You get to see the CN Tower, the Rogers Center. That's my recommendation to you, as well as Laval. Laval or whatever. Laval, I don't know what the fuck it's called. It's like five minutes from the stadium. Do you guys have people that plan that shit for you? Like actual like uh, trip coordinators and stuff? 
script coordinators like for the team to go out to like a bar or something no yeah. we have a guy that we have a guy that will like if you need a rental car if you need anything in the city you can reach out to him and help help facilitate that but like when we've had team get togethers and stuff it's usually like you know one of the veteran guys who coordinates with his agent to make the phone calls on his behalf type of thing so like we in minnesota we went to uh whatever the team there the basketball team there we had a suite at one of their games the timberwolves i think it was yeah and so after the game one night we all went to the timberwolves game and uh i mean it was sick but it was more so coordinated through the players so you know kind of what they want who's gonna okay who's gonna front the cash <laughs> and this is what we're gonna do so this is the last thing i'm gonna say here is so i obviously i might go to every game this series so we'll see actually i don't know like it's whatever but you're right I, on the fence there I'm on the fence because like it's I, I moved a little bit further from the field. So I'm like 40 minutes now before I was like 20, but I'll still do it. I don't give a fuck. I'm doing nothing tonight. So I want, whenever you come out of the bullpen, I want to guarantee for this podcast, first pitch fastball. That's it. Guaranteed. That's it. That's what I want. So when I'm watching, I'm in the stands. I'm like, Banksy's going first pitch fucking heater, no matter what wave off call out. I want first pitch fastball. I want you to let it eat for the people. Depends on the first pitch or the, the first batter. If it's if it's Vladdy, I would have to go something else. If it's Vladdy or Bichette, you can't go first pitch heater. Or Springer. They're both, or Tay Oscar. Or, I mean. <laughs> Why can't we say first pitch slider? Okay, actually, you know what? Give me a first pitch slider, and I want you to, like, let it eat, though. Like, I want to look up at that Jumbotron and see, like, a decent speed slider because it shows the break and the drop and all that stuff. I want to yeah. look at that and be like, that was for me. Like that slider was for me. Give me a nice first pitch slider first. Pitch. I could get you like an 88 or an 89 slider. Give me an 89 slider first pitch for the people. And I'm going to record. I'd be like, that was the official unofficial slider. Like that shit was for me. <laughs> I want that. So like, I, I'm excited to see it. Obviously, like I said, I, I love watching. Obviously a lot of guys that have been on this podcast come here. I got to watch Jameis and Tyone two weeks ago pitch and just absolutely skull fuck the Toronto Blue Jays, which kind of sucked. But it was nice to see a front of the show carve. So I'm excited to like see you and see Berger and see all these guys hit or pitch and hit and it's going to be electric. So, I mean, obviously I will say this, it's very uh, overwhelming, like walking into the state, especially if the domes open, you have the CN tower right on top. It's electric. It's an electric view to see. So I'm excited for you to do it and stuff for you to pitch here whenever you do get on the mound. So, I mean, what else do you got to say here? I mean, what are you looking forward to going into this homestand or going into the rest of the year? I mean, obviously you're in the show, man. It's fucking electric. It's, it's been nothing but first class. I'll tell you what, but um, first off, I think I'm excited to be like in a dome where weather doesn't matter. You know, we don't have to wear a jacket. We don't have to wear, we're not going to sweat our balls off. Like I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm sure the energy, like the way the sound bounces off the walls and the ceiling and all that is, is awesome. Um, but really just like every stadium is a so unique in its own aspects. And to be able to see those stadiums, like I kick myself for not taking more pictures sometimes. Honestly, like we all have a thousand pictures on our phone and we never show anybody. They're just there, just taking up space. But you know, someone, or at some point in your life, like you want to look back and be able to see those pictures. So I like, I need to take more pictures when I'm out. Like I didn't take pictures at Yankee stadium. I didn't take pictures at uh, Wrigley. Like, wow that's a fuck up that's a massive fuck. i mean like i said you're gonna have a long career so you're gonna be able to get that opportunity again exactly but that's the plan the biggest <laughs> thing here is and what i'm recommending to you is is when you go to a stadium you got to get that dugout video when you're stepping up the stairs 
and you're fucking you pan around the stadium and you just get you like show your phone the whole like what's what's it like like a first person point of view to step onto the dugout steps and like look around the stadium that's That's I, i did that in cleveland and there was an inch of snow in the outfield that's why yeah cleveland like cleveland the cleveland weather down there is fucking wild it's it's crazy man but um anyways like i said dude i'm fired up to see you pitch here um it's gonna be electric series the boys are ready and this episode drops thursday so the series will be almost over by the time this drops but i like no matter what i'm fired up to see you pitch here man it's crazy to see your story fucking nine years in the minors and to think i mean you started your major you started your minor league career i want to make you feel old here when i was 15 so wow. we're it's just an absolute grind and you're you're a baby. <laughs> I'm 25. I'm 24. I'm 25. I just turned 25 last month or this month. So it's just it, it's crazy to see it, man. And obviously you're the percentage of guys that make it to the show after p- playing the minors for nine years is so small. And it's crazy to see that you've done that. So hopefully you've had that opportunity to kind of look back and be like, dude, I'm a fucking big leaguer. I, I could say that to my kids like when they're older and stuff like that. It's crazy. That was the end of the day. Like I wanted to obviously be able to hang my hat and know that I gave everything, but to be able to say like, Hey, I made it. I was good enough. Now the next step is what can I do to stay here and be there long-term? Like you put up numbers, age doesn't matter. Exactly. Look, look at Rich Hill. Like he's 80 years old. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hundred Dick Mountain. <laughs> Dick Mountain. They call him. And dude, like, and this is we're gonna start. We're gonna start the narrative here. This it, from here on out, we're gonna worry about the stats from here on out. The the no the the fuck you to the Tanner Banks fuck you tour has just started, and the first stop is Toronto. So that's that's the narrative we're starting. I might vlog when you pitch, just kind of show see the reactions of the like me and stuff like just the fans looking. I'm like, who the fuck is this asshole? And just stuff like that. We'll get it going, but I'm excited for you, man. And uh, we'll we'll get you on sometime later next year. Then we'll uh, figure it out, man. I'm fired up to see what I like you it. Do. I like it. I appreciate it. It's been awesome. You're awesome. Look forward to hearing you screaming in the stands. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you.